Hey, Johnny. Johnny. We're doing a show. Can you take... Johnny, we're doing a show. Go take a break. Good grief. Thank you. Afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Tales from the Bent Tree Saloon. Today's episode, we're going to call it Tom Sawyer meets Jim Beam. We got five funny tales for you this afternoon. As always, Tales from the Bent Tree Saloon, sponsored by the Bent Tree Ranch. The Bent Tree Ranch, where the land is the brand. So, why the title Tom Sawyer meets Jim Beam? Well, it's about this time in my life when I started drinking. Uh, <laughs> which, which is going to lead to some really, really, really funny stuff going forward here. So this is the first episode where alcohol is involved in every story. Um, sometimes it's it's me, and and, and other times it isn't me who's who's uh, maybe had a bit too much. But uh, anyway, so we're still at the lake. And we had neighbors two houses down from us who had a they had a daughter who was probably three years older than me, and uh, it, uh, they were great. They're great people. Unfortunately, um, the, the neighbor girl she died from leukemia, I think, probably when she was like seventeen or eighteen years old. But um, before the good Lord, Lord took her away. Um, her parents must have been out of town or something, and and they had this hellacious party at the house. And I mean, there were there were teenage kids everywhere, um, and they were all hammered. And of course, um, they had before they left. Her parents had, I guess, asked my parents to keep an eye on things, and and if anything got out of hand like that, to get it broke up. So of course, my my parents called the cops and. And they came over and busted this big party up. Well, it fast forward to maybe a year and a half or two years. And uh, my parents were out of town and my sisters were gone, meaning I was literally home alone. And uh, I don't know how word gets out, but now I had a couple friends that wanted to come over and have a couple beers. And that's where this was going to start and stop. As far as I was concerned, we were going to have a couple beers, maybe goof around down by the lake or something. Anyway, one thing leads to another. <laughs> Before I can blink an eye, there's like 20 cars parked out along the roadway. And there's there's people all over the inside of my mom and dad's house. And I mean, like they're drinking everything you can imagine under the sun. Um, kind of a drink of choice back then for some of the kids was uh, Southern Comfort. So there was a lot of that going on. Um, lots of beer. Lots of people. I couldn't believe how many people were in, my, in our house. And I was, I was, I don't know how it happened. I don't know how it got so out of control so fast, but, but sure shit, it got out of control really quickly. And I was, I was a hundred percent certain that the cops are going to come and knock on the door and shut this thing down because um, I'm, I would have bet 
the house, literally, that my parents had gone next door and told at least the cooks or somebody, hey, <laughs> we're going to be gone. Don't let Dean have this big party like like happened down the street. But so one thing leads to another. And, and pretty soon I got a, I've got a house full of really, really drunk people. And it's back it's back in the late 70s. And so, you know, it wasn't as much scrutiny back then as there is now. But certainly, you know, especially in a small town like ours, you don't you don't want to be you don't want to be that guy where somebody gets trashed at your house and your party and crashes their car. So I was doing my best to try to keep people hunkered down, and just stay like there ain't no reason for anybody to leave, except for they were all kids and their parents probably don't want them out all night. So. I had, so my mom had, uh, my mom was a piano teacher on the side and she had two pianos in the basement um, that she used in her music studio for teaching piano lessons. And one of the girls at this party, I'll never tell, I'll never say her name out loud, but she, she was hammered and she was downstairs playing the piano and she threw up in the keyboard of my mom's old piano not the new one but the old one that she had and I was like oh my god now what um so fast forward it's now like probably well past midnight and I have drunk passed out throwing up people all over all over mom our house everywhere uh, it looked like a scene from Animal House. There were people on the stairs who passed out. There were people on the floor passed out. People at the piano passed out, sleeping in their own pew. <laughs> um, it, it was crazy. So I, somewhere in there, I, I fell asleep or passed out. One of the two, can't remember which. But um, now it's about 6.30 or 7 o'clock in the morning. And uh, this is, you know, way before cell phones or anything. So people aren't really keeping track like they can now where kids are or anything like that. But um, the, the first <laughs> the first wave of my guests that had made it all night um, started to wander out the door. And uh, I looked around the house and, and went, oh, my God, my parents are coming home in like five or six hours people had thrown up all over everything they were on the floor on the carpet on the piano somebody puked in in a closet that had a some cardboard boxes on the floor with some old pictures in it so some so that wasn't cool and uh i was like oh my god so i convinced my best friend dash to come and while well, he was already there to uh help me clean this mess up. And we literally spent the next five hours hungover as arguably the worst hangover I ever had in my life. And, and we had to clean the house and, and clean up all this vomit. And, and I don't know how we did it, but somehow we pulled it off and, <laughs> and my parents came home and I don't know, they, they may, somebody may have told them that there was a party. They may have figured out that there was a party. I don't know if they ever knew that there was a party I'd really love to find out from them if they know to this day if there ever was that huge party in the house and how much really, really went wrong that night. But anyway, so that's that's the uh, inaugural Tom Sawyer, which I guess is me in this case, meets Jim Beam. And, and it was it was ugly. I should have learned my lesson right then and there. But no, of course not. 
So we fast forward to, um, I told you uh, on a previous episode that we'd be revisiting certain places because we went back later on in our life. And so our church group, we had a couple of churches in the area that had a, a joint um, uh, youth director, if you will. And, and this dude was pretty cool. He'd, he'd done a, he, was, he was relatively young, but he, he'd done a lot of really c- kind of cool stuff in his life. Um, real Christian man, but he'd cl- like climb Mount Kilimanjaro and he was an avid outdoorsman, cross country skier, um, kind of a back in the seventies look of kind of a fit guy with a full beard. And, and, uh, so I just call him Flagoonie for now, but so Flagoonie t- had hooked us up with this joint youth group between our two churches that we would, we would get together and hop on a bus and, and cruise out to uh, the Bighorn Mountains in Wyoming and do a little mountain climbing. And now this is a place where I had been with the Boy Scouts several years back when I was much younger. But I knew that I knew the place. I knew the terrain. Um, so I knew what was going on. And uh, we hiked some of the same places that we had hiked in the past. Uh, the difference this time, though, is that we were all like... 16, 17 years old, and and somebody, some geniuses in the group, myself included, thought it would, well, you can't go on a camping, hiking trip in the Bighorn Mountains without a bunch of Boda bags full of wine, just for the hell of that. And uh, so we did that, and uh, we, we had no idea what altitude would do to enhance the experience, if you will. So that we got up there and we, we, we hiked into our first camping spot and decided that we were going to, some of the group was going to take a little side trip, climb up high up above the tree line and drag these, well, have these Boda bags with, with wine in them and have a little party at the top of the hill. And so we did, <laughs> except for here, especially when you're not an experienced drinker, you get really drunk really fast when you're at like 11,000 feet. And uh, uh, so, so of course we had too much wine and, and had a very difficult time navigating our way back down the hill to the point where somebody could have got seriously hurt. Fortunately, nobody did, but um, I'm still there. There's some rocks up there on the side of that trail that have some pretty dark red stained puke, wine puke marks on them from the the red wine that we hiked up this trail. And and we were there for like four more days and four more nights and nobody, nobody, we poured out whatever wine didn't get consumed that first night, it got poured out on the ground because everybody felt like hammered shit the next day. It was awful. And, and to, to make it worse, so Flagoon had set up this day hike the next day, and it was going to be a long trip. We were going to try to get to the summit of one of these one of these peaks in the Bighorns. And now, I told you, he climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, and he'd climbed some other big mountains, and, and he was a very experienced climber, and none of the rest of us were. And uh, so we went out on a day trip and we really weren't very well prepared. Shame on him for that. But so we hadn't brought adequate food to be gone for an entire day well into the night. Um, Water was in short supply. Um, 
sunscreen was in short supply. <laughs> and so we, we didn't know anything about what we were doing. And, and he really wanted to get to the summit of this other, of this other peak. And there was one other dude in our group, my buddy Dash, who went, who was, I guess, bigger, stronger hiker than some of us. And there was four of us that was kind of lagging behind and there's Flagoon and Dash. And they basically said, we're, we're pressing on without you guys. We'll catch you on the way back. Well, as we were climbing up this mountain, <laughs> there were these little, I, I don't know if you've ever seen them. There were these trail markers made out of rocks that people pile up. They look like little snowmen on the side of the trail. And, and I didn't know what, I didn't know what the hell they were. <laughs> I didn't know they were trail markers. I know that. <laughs> and so I was, I was kicking them over as we're climbing up the mountain and I had completely destroyed our way to get back to, to where we were, where we came from. Um, so a couple more hours up the hill and we're in a, we're up, we're in some snow. It's very bright. Um, two of the guys in our group get sick and it's snow blind sick. Um, and probably some altitude sickness, and uh, <laughs> and and our leader was gone. They, they, he was he was up, up at the top of this mountain, and we couldn't we couldn't get there. So uh, fortunately, um, I was able to make it back down to at least where I found like a a, a, a trail, and we found a couple of the of the park rangers that roam the park on horseback. And in the end, we had to rescue two of our guys who were really, really sick. Um, they had to get rescued out of there on horseback. And, and well, I guess really long story short, everybody made it back to camp, but it was well after dark. We hadn't eaten anything all day. Most of us were super dehydrated, sunburnt beyond belief and sick as hell. And it was awful because it all started with a hangover from a bag full of wine the night before, which was a terrible idea. Um, just again, you know, you think you get smart, but no. <laughs> so that leads me to, uh, I had a buddy, I call him DJ. Um, he had, he lived about three or four miles south of us and, uh, and he, he had a pickup. Sorry for the pause there. Um, something went wrong with my microphone for a second. So anyway, I had this buddy named DJ, and he had a pickup truck. And one of the things we like to do for fun as uh, we drive from Chisago, we drive over to Lindstrom, um, and we are te you know, teenage kids. And so we'd go to the bowling alley and have us a good old time. That was one of the places you went to. And there wasn't a whole lot otherwise to do. You'd go to Dairy Queen or you'd go to the, go to the bowling alley. Well, so – we had mixed us up this a two liter bottle of uh, half Mountain Dew and and half Southern Comfort and and David had a couple pretty good wax off that thing and and uh, he's driving gonna drive us over to the bowling alley. Well, um, out on Old Town Road, <laughs> Old Town Road took you into Chisago and then Highway Eight took you over to Lindstrom and there was a stop sign at the corner of our road and Old Town Road and usually you know being rural like it was a lot of times us kids we never stopped there <laughs> um it led to some interesting things but so old dj had had a pretty good 
pretty good head start on on the Southern Comfort of Mountain Dew, and and uh, he took off racing towards Lindstrom, and he he got to the end of of our road where the stop sign was at Old Town Road, and blew right through that stop sign and hit the cop. The only one in town was named Larry. <laughs> Just t-boned the side of his golf cart with his dad's truck, and uh, of course we have a two-liter bottle of booze in the cab, and so Larry, he's pretty he's pretty bent because <laughs> we wrecked his car, and uh, he said, you guys ain't been drinking or, or anything, have you? And he looks in the truck, and of course, there's this big old bottle of Mountain Dew, and he says, mind if I, if you open the top, and I have a sniff of that, and he popped the lid on that bottle, and he, and he said whoa man that's strong like you got to drink what is in there and we told him southern comfort mountain dew and he said okay well here's what we're gonna do with that i'm gonna put that in the back of my cruiser for now just to confiscate it from y'all said david your dad's gonna be really pissed at you when (laughs) when he sees this truck but i'm gonna let y'all go have a good night (laughs) and i was like we ought to be in jail and he just let us go and I know what he did, because Larry, I know what he did. <laughs> he took that bottle of Mountain Dew in, in Southern Comfort, and, and when his shift was over, I mean, maybe he didn't even wait, but I know he, he racked that thing up. So <laughs> that's kind of the beauty of living in a small town in the 70s and, and having only one cop in town who knows everybody. You know, If that were to happen today anywhere, even in that little town, uh, you're going to jail. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. You're going to, you're going to jail. And instead of going to jail, it was like, I'll take that bottle. Have a good night. <laughs> so anyway, um, so that's that's DJ and the cop. <laughs> that cop, by the way, Larry, he's a character in a couple other stories. I don't even I can't remember if I've told this or not, but he, he was getting out of his he was getting out of his cop cruiser in the parking lot of the grocery store one day and the the, the door slammed shut, hit the side, hit his side, and his gun went off and shot himself in the foot. And he couldn't work for like eight weeks because he had this big old boot cast on and couldn't couldn't be a cop. So <laughs> that's funny right there. That's Larry being Larry. All right. So so my parents, they they had um, obviously we lived on the lake. We had a pretty big yard we had down there by the waterfront. We had, you know, a lot of room to for them to throw parties and they had a lot of friends that would come out on, on weekends. Um, and my parents threw some really great parties. And, uh, so mom and dad had gone in 50, 50 with another couple and they had bought this sailboat. Now it wasn't a big sailboat. It was a small sailboat, but it had everything a sailboat would need. Right. So it had one big mast. It was about 30 feet tall, two sails, you know, the boom, the rudder, the cuddy, all the, you know, it was a, it was a decent sailboat. They kept it moored out there in, in, in front of the beach. And uh, and every now and then, a couple times a month during summer, they'd have all their friends come over and for sailboating, what I guess was the premise. And, and there was always all kinds of beer and booze and everything at these parties. Well, you know, they're not paying too much attention. So it's not unusual, perhaps, for, for me to sneak in and help myself to a couple of beers or whatever when nobody's looking. So they're having this big old bash down there at the lake one one Saturday afternoon. And uh, 
They had taken the boat out, and there was about, I think there was probably six people on the boat. And we're watching from shore, and uh, it was kind of breezy that day. I wouldn't say it was a perfect day for sailing in a small sailboat because it got that lake got pretty choppy. It could get pretty bad. And uh, so, <laughs> so the uh, uh, the boats kind of cross the lake and. One minute it's there and next minute it's not. <laughs> it's gone, completely gone. And uh, like it, it disappeared like aliens took the boat. Well, what happened is they flipped the son of a bitch over <laughs> and it was upside down. And I don't know if they were wearing life jackets or if they weren't wearing life jackets and if who was hammered and who wasn't hammered. But all I know is this damn boat's upside down. And uh, so... We had, I had my boat, my rowboat with the motor on it. You know, I had the little, I had the little 12 foot aluminum boat with my outboard motor on it. So I fired the thing up and grabbed a cup, grabbed one of the other guests who wasn't on the boat and off we went and sure as shit, there's six people hanging onto this boat and it's dead ass upside down in the water. <laughs> now the lake that we lived on wasn't all that deep. And so what had happened is the mass, when the boat turtled, the mass didn't fall out, but it stuck in the muck at the bottom of the lake. So the boat was basically stuck there. The rudder had fallen off the boat and sunk to the bottom. Um, and there was six people kind of hanging on to whatever they could hold on to. Um, so we hauled their drunk asses back to the shore and we took the pontoon boat out and somehow i have no idea to this day how we managed it but we were able to get the mast disconnected from the boat get the boat flipped up so it was right side up even though it was full of water pull the mast up out of the lake with the sail and get it to where the sail we we i guess the term would be we the opposite of deploy, undeployed. We, we took the sail down. Somehow we were able to get the sail loose, got the mast into the pontoon boat over the railings and towed all that shit back to the beach. And, and I was like, what were you guys thinking? So somehow the thing had, I'm not a sailor, so don't, don't hold me to any of these terms, but somehow the thing had like accidentally jibbed and the sail swung around from one side to the other and it flipped the damn boat over and really probably could have hurt somebody or killed somebody, but it didn't. And so, um, and, and <laughs> I know, I know that, uh, yeah, definitely there was some beers involved in that whole deal and, and, uh, but everybody was safe. So at the end of the day, it ended up, ended up being, all okay for everyone. Just kind of an experience I'll never forget. Um, so the last the last segment of this episode uh, is probably one of the funnier things I ever did in my life, and probably one of the stupidest also. But <laughs> who's to say? I'll let you all decide on on how stupid I I was in my in my life, even to this day. But but um, my parents. They hung out with this same group of people that the same group of people I just told you about that flipped the sailboat. They all went on this this trip every year to this lake called Cabacona. And uh, back in the woods behind this cabin, 
on this lake, there was an old wooden racing boat, short little skiff boat. It was a, it was a little plywood boat made for one person, one seat, a little outboard motor. Um, and back in the day, there were, there were people on our lake, friends of mine that had these little boats that they restored and you put, you know, like a 10 or 15 horsepower outboard motor on the back and you climb in with a, with a life jacket. And the, if the weather water conditions were right, meaning not too wavy, because these boats were, they basically wear a sheet of plywood at the front, right? So two sheets of plywood come together, no more than about an, no more than about an inch of, of material at the front end of the boat. So it's just basically plywood on water with a little seat in the back. And they could go pretty fast, right? So you could put a, if you put a 15 horse motor on the back one, you could run those things at 40, 45 miles an hour. You could, they, they would haul ass. Well, there was one of those boats and it was out back behind this cabin and it was in really bad condition. It had sat out there in the snow and the rain and whatever for years, apparently. And so I asked, you know, what are you going to do with this boat? And they're like, take it. <laughs> we don't want it. We're not going to use it ever again. And I, so I convinced my dad this was a great idea. And thanks, dad, for... <laughs> for letting me have this boat because in the end of the day, what dad and I were able to do was restore this thing and fiberglass the outside of the hull and paint it cherry red. And I had this nice little outboard motor I could put on the back of it and, and it had controls so that I could run it like a speedboat, um, at least from a throttle perspective. Um, and I mean, it was cool. And I had three, three other friends on the lake that are all the same age as me that had these same boats. Mine was red. There was a yellow one, a green one and a blue one. And we had this little speedboat club and we would run these things around and act all cool and stuff. And, and, and actually it was really quite a bit of fun to drive these things. You could porpoise them. You could, you could rooster tail them. If you put, you know, basically you could build You could just take a little, little round piece of like aluminum tube and had a little bracket and you could drill a hole in the bottom of the tube and you could push that thing down into the water and it would shoot a rooster tail out the back um, we had a lot of fun with them. And, uh, so my parents were having <laughs> one of these parties one day and, and, uh, I thought, well, so first of all, I'd help myself to probably seven or eight too many of their beers. Um, and, and I, I, I thought, man, I'm going to go show off in front of <laughs> all these people down at the lake. So I pushed my little skiff out in the water and got it all hooked up and fired up and ready to go. And, and uh, went out there and buzzing up and down the shoreline and making everybody go ooh and ah and having a good old time. And my dad had built this wooden, I hate to call it a boat ramp, but you, it, that's what it was. It was, a, it was a boat ramp made out of like two by eights, all kind of nailed to a frame. Um, and I would use that when I came in on my skiff to slide my boat up to where if I got out, I was dry. And all you had to do is un unlatch the, the motor catch so that outboard would lift up without tearing it off the back of the boat. And uh, so <laughs> I was out there ripping up and down and everybody's having a good old time. And I thought, I'm going to do one of these hot landings on the, on the, on the boat ramp. <laughs> I came flying in there and I was going way too goddamn fast. And I, I at the very last second, that little dude on your shoulder 
the left shoulder says this is bad <laughs> and i hit that i hit that damn that damn boat ramp and i flew up into the yard i barely missed a tree like literally within i don't know how i didn't hit this tree um and, and that that would have ended poorly for me but it landed out in the yard engine still running of course i forgot to unhitch the little motor click thing and so i had pretty much tore the back of the boat off and uh yeah so at the end of the day um it's ugh, I, you know and you'd think you'd learn from stuff like that but um in the end the tails are only going to get bigger and better so um having said all of that i appreciate once again i appreciate y'all listening um we'll do another episode soon until then Later from the Bent Tree Saloon.